1: Betches Moms, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids, because you'll literally never be alone again.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen, and I'm Brittany. And this week, we promised you we are going to get an amazing psychologist on the show and we are delivering. We're talking to Dr. Naomi Bernstein, clinical psychologist and co-host of the Betches Oversharing podcast. Thank Welcome. Thank you. I'm
2: so happy to join you guys this week. I love the
3: show. Thank Thanks. you. We're excited to have you. And I know we have a lot of questions and the, our listeners have a lot of questions we, yes. we want to stay married,
2: so <laughs> That's... we have a lot of we have a lot of relationship questions. Totally, lay it on me. I'm excited to help. It is a struggle sometimes.
0: Yeah. So this kind of this conversation stemmed from the you guys writing into us a lot about like relationship struggles, or marriage struggles post baby, like how like your relationship has drastically changed, and is is that normal? And then separately, I was having a conversation with my friend like the day before recording and we were talking about this exact thing I'm gonna drive home from the city and we're like why don't people like talk about this enough? And I also personally remember like right postpartum I was just like so mad at Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why can't I stand this guy? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I was like, I, I feel embarrassed to like say that to anyone because I don't want it to like indicate that there's like some sort of like bigger issue. Um, but I did share it with a friend who was a mom and she was like, that's, I felt the same, don't worry. (laughs) It like sometimes subsides, it subsides most most cases. But I think that's kind of like the context of this conversation. And so you're an expert in this. (laughs) But before we like get into a lot of questions, could you kind of share with the Batch's mom's listeners your background like how long you've been a psychologist what type of issues or patients that you typically totally
2: um i've been doing this for a pretty long time probably about 15 years um and the second half of my career i really started specializing in couples therapy um mostly just because i love it a lot of a lot of therapists are like i can't do couples i can't stand fighting and screaming and bickering in my office like i I I'm like a fish in water with couples. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I have a really easy time seeing both perspectives. Um so I really enjoy that. I've done a bunch of trainings on it and you know, I've I've learned a lot about how to make both how to sort of model listening and for the couple in the room to teach them how to validate each other because that's the biggest piece and I will probably talk about that today, because when you're just like kind of shouting your perspective at somebody, they're going to turn off and they're just waiting for you to stop (laughs) speaking so that they can then tell you what they want to say. So if we can crack that open and kind of dig into it, that helps. But I hear what you're saying, what you were just saying about a lot of um, moms and just women in general or people in general, not wanting to share their relationship struggles with their friends, because there's this sort of sacredness in some way of like, I don't want to disrespect my partner by talking about him or her to somebody else. Or I don't want my friends to then look at him differently when we go out to dinner. So a lot of this stuff is really held in and not like you can easily talk about you're complaining about your mother in law or your sister or other people in your life. But when it comes to your partner, there's which there should be a certain level of respect where you're not just going to start shit talking them the same way you would. Everybody else. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I think there's something to be said for feeling sort of alone in relationship struggles sometimes. Um, So I can hear that.
0: Yeah. Well, Thanks for that validation. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's definitely super validating. Um, So I think like one thing everybody listening would really benefit from knowing is how to prepare your marriage when you're pregnant. Like that is something that you should prepare for. Totally correct, because it's like you when you when you go into parenthood, you don't know what (laughs) what to expect, and you never think that your marriage is going to need a lot of work. So how do we prepare? For for sure,
2: and I actually probably currently on my list have two or three couples that are pregnant and trying to do exactly what you're describing, which is we know that this is going to get tough. How do we like? strengthen the scaffolding of our relationship leading up to it. And you're never going to know exactly what you're coming into. So it's not like you can prepare the schedules ahead of it ahead of time necessarily, or like, okay, you're going to do this at this time. But you, what you can do is learn how to lean into each other's emotions and learn how to listen and learn how to have gratitude and express gratitude and practice all of those behaviors going into it. Look, I think, a little bit of couples therapy, like just for the duration of your pregnancy, sometimes it's helpful, even if nothing's happening yet and you're all good and you're both just excited and everything's great just to give you um, that practice. And what I also love about it is you set up with your therapist, like this safety blanket, like an emergency you know, person that already knows you. You don't, because what happens a lot of times is let's say the baby comes, you're having some postpartum depression or anxiety, or there's like all these intense emotions and now you're going into somebody brand new, starting to have to tell the whole story from scratch. And by the time you tell the story, your session's over and you're like, I didn't even get to, I don't feel any, I didn't get any help and now I have to wait a whole week until I go back again and I'm feeling so intense and this wasn't really helpful. So sometimes if you can start a relationship with somebody while you're pregnant, then when the shit hits the fan, all, everything's in place and you can just show up and really get the most out of your 50-minute, 45-minute session. Right.
0: What are, what are like some things, like practical things that someone can like practice when preparing for that? Like what are some, you know, maybe like ways to look at certain situations differently or look at the way you speak or communicate differently
2: totally so one thing that comes to mind and this is very good practice when you're pregnant and this is something that's hard and you guys can tell me if you can relate with this feeling of sometimes when you're overwhelmed it's hard to feel happy for your partner when they are not overwhelmed so like it's hard to you know let's say even starting in pregnancy, if you're pregnant and you can't drink and you don't want to go out and stand at a bar on your feet for four hours socializing because you're tired and, you know, practicing that piece of like, I want to give this to my partner. I want to give him a full blessing, green light to go out, have fun with his friends, and not do the whole, well, I'm here growing a baby and I have to stay home and I want you to stay home with me because. I just want you to sit with me in my discomfort and practicing what I think is going to end up being very helpful, which is I want to be genuinely happy for him that he's out doing fun things, or I want to be happy for him that he can let loose and drink and not have that feeling of like, well, if I can't drink, then I don't want you to drink or any, I don't know if you guys can relate to that feeling, but that's something huge as it, moves into the relationship. And for him to do that same thing for you, like I heard you guys on the last episode talking about going away with your girlfriends. And you want someone who's going to be like, yes, go away with your girlfriends. I got this. You're good. Don't even look back like we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well,
0: was there anything that like you look back on and wish you had sort of done in your own practice, yeah. <laughs> like your own personal, like the way in which you communicated or thought differently about totally. something? I
2: think sometimes in communication, um, you wait until you're like boiling or bubbling or like things are going to come out in a way that feels like I can't like I'm overwhelmed and you this and you're not doing enough of that or I need help with this instead of being able to communicate it as like you would if you were when you were like first developing your friendship say when you were first dating and if you were having a struggle you're more likely to say like I'm feeling really um whatever overwhelmed or like I have this mom guilt that's just like eating away at me or like get communicating like your own real deep feelings instead of communicating like you are not doing enough of this or you are not so when it comes out is like this blaming thing which I think is the way it comes out when you're just like barely keeping your head above water and like grasping for air you're kind of like throw me the life raft you idiot like what are you waiting for instead (laughs) of like I'm struggling and I need some support um so I think the way that's something that I could look back on and kind of say that when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to communicate in a way that's like a friend, like how you would communicate with one of your friends. Sometimes when you communicate with your husband or your partner, it can come off like you don't do it in as much of a gentle way. It's sort of like, I have this expectation. You're the father, like chop, chop, do what I say. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So kind of, with that
3: mindset, like you're the father, what are your thoughts on this whole like default parent thing that's kind of like been really big on social media recently? Um, is that, do you think that's like a real thing? And how do you ensure that there's a real division of labor and you don't feel
2: Totally. Um, and I think this is part of it, is just being able to say, not like you should X, Y, Z, but I feel I know it's like the cheesy thing of like using I statements, but it really works, you know, like I feel taken for granted when it's expected that I'm going to do bedtime every night or whatever the thing is, you know, like I feel um, like whatever that feeling is that you have when you're expected to do it all. And even sharing with him, I know the idea of the mental load of motherhood. I don't know if you guys talk about that on here. Um, but it's like not even just in the actual behaviors, but like keeping the checklist in your mind of all the things like, yeah, I need to pack the Tylenol, I need to pack the, you know, diaper crate, like, you know, he might, if you tell him do these things, he might do them mm-hmm. or vice versa, whoever the primary parent is, you know, we can be gender neutral with it. But the sharing with him that idea of like, just holding all of this in my mind by myself feels overwhelming. So I think if you can share that it's not, because he might just jump in and say, okay, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. But sometimes that's not really what you want because he'll do it, but you want him to like hold the mental load of it a little bit. So I think communicating that directly might be helpful.
0: Yeah. But how do you not like get into like the pattern of then getting like mad about the fact that you are holding the mental load and like then you turn into like fair, what's fair, what's not fair? Like, I personally have felt that sometimes and then I realized also like me wanting, like life isn't fair, <laughs> but like how do you like grapple with that situation? Yeah, totally. I think
2: there's a part of that and it depends on your marriage, it depends on your situation, it depends on if he's doing other things that you might not be looking at because you're not in it, you know, like you might not be noticing that, Yeah. I mean, whatever it is that he's holding, maybe the mental load of the financial burden. I, in, in some cases, it depends on what your situation is. Right. But let's say,
0: or like the right, house, like stuff. he's
2: holding the mental load of like, okay, I have to call the plumber. I have to whatever it is. And we're being obviously stereotypical and dividing this, but let's just say. Um, so making sure you're reminding yourself of what the other person is going through, and maybe even having that conversation of like, what's your mental load? And if there's nothing there, then it might give him that light bulb of like, oh, I don't really have a mental load. Like, maybe I should take a little bit off of her mental load. Um, Or he might say, you know what, Mm -hmm. I have this burden of like, you know, succeeding at work or I have this burden that like, you know, maybe I'm getting older and my back hurts and I always have to like be the one that's like carrying these things and I'm afraid of, you know, my body or who knows what will come out when you ask him about his mental load. But then I think the second piece is just maybe at some point getting to that point where you're going to accept that like, this is just the mental load is not going to be the, if you have these conversations and you're just not married to the type of person that's going to take on the mental load, finding acceptance in your partner, I think is a huge piece of this looking for the good things that they do looking for, you know, back to all the reasons why you picked this person to marry out of everybody that you probably dated um, and realizing that, okay, it's not going to be 50-50. It's just not. If it's not, aim for it. But if it's not, then finding a way to accept that, I think, is a way to really just achieve peace in your relationship. Right. That sounds hard to you.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, it doesn't. It's like, also, I've gotten the advice, too, that it's like, sometimes it's not, we get stuck like thinking about like everything that is going on in our minds. And we're not like, you're saying like not thinking about what they're going through. So you, so a lot of the times like a way to bridge that is like to consider like give, you'll get what you give. So like, just be like more show more. If like, you think that maybe they, maybe they're not giving you enough appreciation for all the things that you're doing. Maybe start giving it more and then, that'll come around back like twofold to you.
2: Appreciate, I'm glad you brought, appreciation is everything and it's free and it costs you nothing. And if you're not, if you're putting up a wall to giving it, that's something that you need to look at. You know, like if he's taking out the garbage, like just say thank you, you know, and just, and, and in a genuine way, like I didn't feel like getting up from the couch. I know that's like your job, but like you got up, from the couch and you took the garbage out and you saw, you know, just like really genuinely being like, yeah, that was an annoying thing and you did it and I appreciate it. So like verbalizing appreciation can totally mm-hmm. change a relationship. And if you're not doing it, you have to ask yourself why you're not doing it.
0: Why, why, why might somebody not be doing it? Like, what, if, what have you come across? What kind of issues?
2: <laughs> resentment that they're not communicating. Resentment. So like, instead of having this conversation of like, I have this huge mental load I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I need something. I need a day off. I need a massage. I need a, um, you know, a girl's mm-hmm. trip, whatever you, you kind of just keep trucking because of the mom guilt or whatever it is, or you don't want to rock the boat or you don't want to fight on top of everything else. So, so you don't right. say anything. And then you're just like not saying thank you because you're like, of course you're going to take out the garbage. Like that's the least you can do. Like I'm doing everything. So then that, those little seepage of resentment is what can really poison a marriage. So instead of seeping out resentment, you have to have those, you know, those, when the kids are asleep, when you have time alone, share like your friend, talk to your friend and tell your friend, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling underappreciated. So that it's not coming out and like I'm just not never gonna say thank you to you because of course you're that's like you're you're barely doing anything. Why am I saying thank you? Then he's gonna start feeling unappreciated and doing less and not thanking you. Like you said, not you know, you have to model that behavior. Right.
3: Is there any I mean, we all fight with our
2: significant others, but just at what point is it not healthy fighting? I think if you're raising your voices with frequency, if you're name calling or like doing any of that mean stuff, um, and how how often is it happening, and how are you repairing? So, like the best thing that you can do is like you have the fight, and what I always say, and I talk about this on oversharing a lot, is um, recognizing in in your body if you're feeling like really activated, like your heart is racing, you're tense, like your, you know, your blood is boiling kind of thing. Like you have to take a pause on the communication, like just, and it's okay to say, hey, I'm getting really worked up. Like, let's, let's continue this like later on tonight or let's continue this in an hour. Like I just need a minute. So being able to do that is a sign that you're communicating really well. And that when you come back to it, it's probably gonna be better. And if you're fighting in a way where you're never seeing the other per, you never get to the point where you can verbalize the other person's perspective, that's probably not the healthiest. Like you might not be able to do that off the bat, but when through throughout the course of the conversation, you should be getting to the point where you can say, "I see where you're coming from. You're not crazy for feeling that way. I understand and like I want to support you in some way to make you not feel that way anymore. That's the goal. If you're getting there right. eventually, then you're then you're fighting well. If you're just like fighting and screaming and being mean and then being like fuck this, so I'm going to bed and that's the conversation <laughs> that you're having and that's what's happening like <laughs> with frequency, it depends, you know, I would say if that's happening like more than like a couple of times a month or You know, if it's definitely if it's happening once a week, I think that's way too much um, where you're fighting without resolution. There are times when you want to say, you know what, let's just let this lie and agree to disagree. Yeah. Let's go to bed. I love you. There's nothing left to say. And sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, I was just tired. And like, that's not a big deal.
0: Right. 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 You guys did an episode about like you can go to sleep, like, quote, angry. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. it's not like this thing where, like, never go to bed angry. Like, like it
2: means we're going to get a divorce. It means our relationship is yeah. horrible. No, I think sometimes you can right. just, like, talk something into the ground, and you're not in a place to get any resolution. You have to call it quits.
0: Right. And sometimes you just wake up, like, with this, like, hangover, and you feel not like a yeah. drinking hangover, like an emotional hangover, and you're like, shit like I that was I was in a mid rate like that wasn't the person that I'm proud of and like I want to you know kind of talk this through um but yeah I I feel like those rules about relationships you know the nevers what do you what do you think about them I feel like that that's not it's not really like a a good guide guidance because there shouldn't be like this absolute there shouldn't be like these absolute rules obviously with the exception of like don't like Yeah, (laughs) but everything like everything else like never go to bed angry like those types of
2: yeah things. I agree. Aside from like, I think there's a couple, and they're just like you're saying. Like, obviously, don't put your hands on each other. Don't. I think name calling is really toxic, and you know, even if it's Mm -hmm. just like you're being an asshole, like nobody wants to hear that. That's not a helpful critique. You know, that's not like something right. that he's going to be like, oh, let me really like take that in and digest that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're right. I am an you're asshole. Right. I'm such an yeah. asshole. <laughs> so I think that type of thing is not helpful. But I th- yeah, other than that, like being like actually abusive, I think that every couple is going to find their way to what works, you know. Right. And if you
3: are fighting with um, your significant other, And there
2: is a lot of name calling. How do you shut that down? I think you have to agree in a, in like you're saying, Aileen, like a sober moment, like clear headed, calm, you're not in a fight. Like we can't, this is like a boundary that we are not going to cross. Like you're not going to be unfaithful to each other and you're not going to name call each other. Like you have to just set that boundary. Like this is not okay. And Almost like when that happens, the conversation is going to end until the person that did that like owns it and retracts it and like can, you know, step back. and Right. Like, yeah.
3: mid, like mid fight, should you say something like, you calling me a bitch isn't helping. We're not talking about situation. You're just using filler words because right. you're angry. Like, is that something maybe that we should say or kind of just like let it happen and then when you have that like after conversation at the end or the next day whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean that. you could try, but honestly, if someone's at the point where they're doing that, they're probably not in the most reasonable state of mind. So like you can try that or even saying something like I you know, I I will not continue a conversation where I'm being spoken to like this. Like we ne- the best thing I think to do is just say we need to take a break. Not from the relationship, but like we need yeah. to take a break from this conversation walk away right. and I'll force him to take a break. Um, and and hopefully if it happens right after there's like a really mean thing that went on, the only thing he's left to reflect on in that moment is that that, that thing caused you, like I think even fighting back or saying something back, like would be better to just say, we need to take a break from this conversation. You know, this, I don't like the way yeah. I don't like the way this feels. That's something that I think you could say in that moment. Um, and paying attention to that physical yeah. activation. If you're in that mode, like a small, like a, you have to be at like a level, if you're over like a level four in terms of like how physically activated you are, it's probably, the conversation probably isn't gonna be very productive.
0: Right. Let's go back to like the whole motherhood stuff. Um, I feel like, I mean, me, I can speak from my experience and I know we got some, a lot of um, listener questions about this like new mom role and being like afraid that your partner is gonna see you differently. Is that common? Like, do do you have
2: patients that come to you with that kind of concern? And is it real? Yeah, for sure. I 100%. I think it's real. I think it's an adjustment period for both people and you know to me it leads to conversation about how to remain physically intimate and how you can work physical intimacy yeah. into this new mom role because look and and I don't know if you guys feel this way but a lot of women when you have just given birth or even if it's a year later or 6 months later especially if you're nursing and you have like children that like are owning your breasts and they're hanging on your body and you're constantly being touched, sometimes there's like this touch fatigue where like you don't, at the end of it, once like everybody's in bed and you've had all your snuggles and you've done all that and you've nursed a baby or whatever, you are you just want space. You don't want to be touched. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes men can see that as a rejection or they can see that, You know, they take that and say, oh, my God, everything's changing. Like, what's going on here? Like, she never used to feel this way. Maybe she's not attracted to me anymore. Um, I don't know if that's what you were alluding to. Maybe you were alluding, like, to the reverse of, like, feeling like your partner's not.
0: Yeah. Both. Yeah, we got both. Like, uh, also, people, like you said, asked, like, how to get back in the mood when your sex drive isn't the same yeah. as it was pre baby. That was, like, one of the most asked yeah. questions. So
2: I, it's funny because I was thinking about that just when I was thinking about this topic in general about how to stay connected. And I think the same way there is, you know, when you get married, everyone's like, oh, marriage takes work. It's, you know, it's hard work to maintain a marriage. And, like, this is it, right? The, the hard work is doing the things that you don't feel like doing, pushing against your grain. So I think in this mm-hmm. regard, I'm never an advocate of telling anyone to ever have sex when they don't feel like having sex because I don't think that's good for your asso- positive sex association. But I think sometimes if you're done doing whatever you're doing and you take a shower and you get in bed, even if you're not in the mood for sex, I think it's it might be helpful to try just being close physically and see what happens. Because sometimes you put it in your head of like, I'm not in the mood for this. Like, don't come near me. Don't touch me. I'm not in the mood. Like, I don't even want you to get the wrong idea. So I'm not even going to like put my pinky (laughs) on your shoulder, you know?
0: (laughs) I have a protective armor boundary around me. Don't come near me. (laughs) So
2: I think sometimes, even if you're not in the mood, just allowing yourself to be touched by your partner, allowing yourself to be in that place where you're like, okay, maybe after you're relaxed and you put off, take off your mommy hat and you can put on your individual hat and lay down, even though you're telling yourself that you're not in a sexual mood, once you're there, if you can just like lean into it a little bit, and I'm not saying you have to jump into sex, but just like be willing to be close and be touched. And even if you have, again, getting back to communication, I'm not like – you know, if their partner would take that as like, we're having sex just by you like snuggling and touching and whatever, you can have that conversation, which is like, I don't really feel like having sex, but I feel like being close and like, or, I'm, you know, but I'm just snuggling and like, who knows, maybe you'll you'll get turned on and it will turn into something and then you can kind of break that barrier versus if you just have tunnel vision of like, this is where I'm at, I'm not even gonna go there, then you might miss an opportunity. To connect with your partner physically, right. which is huge because the the physical piece is where that oxytocin comes out, those bonding hormones. So sex is important for a reason because it literally changes the chemistry of your brain in relation to your partner. So if you're not doing that, um, it's going to change the way that you feel in between, you know, acts of intimacy, so that's why it's important to Mm -hmm. at least have conversations about it and put yourself in a position where you're willing to you know be close if not actual sex
0: right no i think that's good advice because also like not like getting yourself more like after you have you know a baby like getting yourself more accustomed to like not like non-sexual intimacy just like more hugging and just getting like because after you have like a baby I don't for me personally it was like just like oh my god like i my body's just in this state that I don't even recognize like do I don't even understand how I feel like it feels like a different just totally. different like I it just feels like a different body on top of like layer mm-hmm. on top of me and it took a lot of time to like sort of feel like myself again even when like my uterus went back to the same size it was just like that it's just I think it's also like the hormones are just completely upside down so I think like also just giving yourself some like grace and I assume explaining that to your partner is
2: helpful for like context Mm -hmm. right yeah I think on so on the flip side Being able to, and we come back to this word acceptance, which I talk a lot about on oversharing too, is like being able to accept that this is my body. I don't have to make it the way it was before, before I can feel sexy again, before I can feel confident again. I think a lot of people like, oh, I still have like 15 more pounds or I still have, just accept that this is your body the way it is. and, And instead of putting the energy into making it the way it was before, you can put the energy into loving it the way it is now. And I think sometimes, and this was the question of like your partner finding you attractive in your new mom role or your new mom body or whatever that is. And I think sometimes that just comes from your own acceptance and confidence in yourself. So if you've changed because you don't want to be naked in front of him, or you've changed because you don't, you're always saying negative things about your own body, which I would be super careful about like, in front of your kids, especially, or you know, even with your partner, like, and just for yourself, you know, like saying negative things about yourself or even saying things like, Ugh, I still have to this or ugh that, you know, like trying to put that energy into loving yourself the way you are and getting back that like sexy confidence with no physical changes, just with your own mental changes to be able to say, I'm gonna work on just loving myself the way I am, and that confidence. Is going to come off as sexy to your partner, and he's going to be jumping right on that bandwagon. But if you're kind of like, "Don't touch me till I lose ten pounds," like that's not, you know, um, <laughs> that's going <Yeah>. d- <laughs> to. Don't touch <yourself>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is is
3: is this kind of a conversation that you have with some of your patients that are preparing to have their baby? Like this hormone factor, this factor of being over touched and just like checked out and. Um, does this come up to kind of like more prepare the partner who's not
2: having the child? Yeah, I think that he has to prepare himself for this so that he doesn't, you know, men do the same thing that women do in terms of like taking a little detail and running with it, you know? So the same way you might, you know if he says no to sex one day you're like oh because it's it's because i'm like different i have a mom body now and he doesn't want to even though maybe he's just tired or he doesn't feel well or whatever so they might do the same thing if you are um cranky or you're tired or you're irritable or you're crying a lot or you're anxious and he might start to do the thing where he's like oh my gosh he's turning into a different person our lives are going to change we're never going to be the same again and he might start spiraling in that way. So I think preparing him for like, yeah, the first six months, like you're still dealing with like the hormonal changes of, you know, um, of, of birthing a baby. And so I think if he can be patient and realize that this is part of a process, it, he won't get to that point where he's like freaking out and writing scenarios in his head that don't exist. So a hundred percent, we talk about that type of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Um. One of the questions was, how do you get your partner to realize slash sympathize slash empathize that you went through a physical, like a big change physically and mentally? Like, I feel like just because after a couple months, maybe you do look kind of similar and you have a little bit more pep in your step, but you still, it's like still not that much time has passed. Even a year for me, I feel like still wow, like, it might have well been yesterday. But I do feel like normal. I still though feel like, wow, I just did this massive thing, like this baby's ear, because I had to push, grow, and push her out of my vagina. (laughs) And it was insane. How do you get them to recognize, or how do you ask them to share that they do recognize
2: that? for sure. I think one is being able to have the open communication. Again, that's something that we talk about um, in kind of like pre-baby counseling. But yeah. I think like you mentioned before, sometimes modeling that behavior is really helpful because what happens is the baby comes out, you're like you just went through this whole huge thing. Now he his whole life is upside, like turned upside down. He's like waking up at night or he's you know has a whole different set of expectations on him. so he's probably selfishly tunnel vision just like thinking about how his life has changed. So I think if you can model that by acknowledging like, wow, you know, like I really appreciate how you've stepped into this fatherhood role or, you know, just saying stuff where you can model this thing of like, I realize how your life has changed a lot. That might create a little bit of space for him to look and see and do the same thing for you. The other thing is you can just ask for it, you know, like you were there, like, what was that like watching this happen? And I bet that might pull something out of him where he's like, I couldn't Mm, even believe what, you know, what you did there. Like you were so strong or like, I can't believe you did that. Like, you know, so even I think sometimes having like a debrief on like the birth is a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like we just went through this thing, like at some point, sit back and be like, what was that like for you? What was your experience? Um, You know, like I had a couple the other Mm day that they recently went through this and they're so busy like just jumping into go mode that they never sat down and shared and it's so intimate and that's a great way to connect where he was like I felt like this out of body experience like being connected to you and being connected to the baby and just it was like the most beautiful like you have the most if I say like what's the best day of your life a lot of people be like the day my child was born but they never sit and like have that conversation with their partner about like, what was that day? What was that moment like for you and how you can create such a bond over that? So I would definitely Mm -hmm. recommend. and it's never too late. You can sit down and have that conversation with your husbands tonight. Like what was that day like when the babies were born? Like, were you scared? Were you excited? Like, how did you feel about me? Um, you know, how did you feel about the baby? Just kind of, I think that's a, a great bonding conversation to have and hopefully through that, some of that stuff that you're looking for will come out. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: also sounds like a fun conversation because who doesn't want to relive? Oh, I guess we don't necessarily <laughs> want to relive certain parts of that day, but just the euphoric yeah.
2: experience of having like once a child. he or she is out and hopefully healthy, it's like, mm-hmm. ah, the relief of, you know, yeah.
3: Yeah, that relief. So is there, is there a specific formula to like how much quality time you should be spending with your significant other? like, And how do you prioritize that, especially when you start having multiple kids and it's like you're doing bedtime for multiple mm-hmm. kids by the time you even get into bed and not even necessarily just
2: quality time at bedtime, just date night or anything? I'm glad you brought it up. I, I like you said, Aileen, I don't know that I would you know, say like, you have to do it this number of times. But I really, this sounds crazy to people, but I think once a week date night is a great amount of and it doesn't have to be date night, it could be day date, it could be lunch date, it could be um, Sunday morning brunch, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be like, let's get dressed and go out for drinks and dinner, although that's great, if that's what you want to do. So I think doing that once a week, um, And just if you can having a little check-in at least like two or three times during the week, like just making sure that you're saying like, are you okay? How are you feeling? Like anything that you want to talk about tonight Um, and just making sure that you're having those little 10 minute check-ins, 15, 20 minutes as often as you can at the end of the day. But I would say like time alone away from the kids once a week And what you're saying, you know, Brittany, you bring up a good point where sometimes because of the mom guilt and because of everything you're reading about your kids need to be stimulated with this and they need that and they need to be spoken to and read to and five books and whatever, you end up prioritizing your children so much over your marriage that bringing them to the, you know, baby soccer class is priority over date nights. That cannot happen. They are never good. They're not going to remember their baby soccer class. They are not going to be in the Olympics. Most likely skip baby <laughs> soccer and go on your date night and leave them with a babysitter and they will survive and they'll be happier for it because you guys will be connected and recharged and full of love for each other. So all those extra activities I think it's very important to prioritize the marriage over the extras for the kids. Obviously you have to feed them. You have to be, you have to love them. You have to make sure they're healthy, but the extras are extras and they cannot come after your marriage. So that's a big point that I want to put out there. So really we
3: should be prioritizing our marriage over our kids. And most of us probably do the opposite.
2: Yep. Wow. Wow bombshell
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you said so quality time is like a date night or a day date and um, I think it's just it's a helpful for me our li- Brittany our listeners just like to spell it out a little more you said check-in like during the weekday to see how they're feeling what like constitutes as like quality check-in time versus like you know you're watching tv together you're exhausted after work like what's what's quality quality time couple
2: time anything that you are both doing together that you're both engaged in at the same time so if you're watching a show and you're both like watching the show that's quality time that's not like check-in time but that's quality time if you're watching a show and like he's scrolling on his phone and you're scrolling on your phone that's not quality time so like it has to be something that you're both paying attention to and engaged in the same exact thing at the same exact time. Um, so it's funny. Cause people are like, you know, I've heard people say like, why do you care if I'm scrolling on my phone while we're watching? And like, why do I care? I, you know, I don't know, but the real answer is like, cause we're not sharing in this thing together.
0: So right. We're not
2: doing it together. Right.
0: Like I want to enjoy
2: this with you right. and we can talk about it or, and yeah. I, I get that. Um, so, I think that's a big one and there's like these um i'll just tell you quickly they did a study a huge study like tens of thousands of couples that stayed overnight in a in a apartment for like two days and they just observed them and they watched all their behaviors over the course of two days and after gathering all the data and figuring out like the key to what kept couples which couples ended up together and which couples ended up divorced they could predict with an 80% accuracy by observing them, which couples were going to stay together and which couples were going to split up. And the key wasn't like how often they had sex. It wasn't um, if they were buying each other presents, it was the tiny little gestures that they made towards each other. So for, they called them bids like a bid for attention or a bid for connection. So If the guy went over to the window and said, oh, look, there's a bluebird outside. And then the wife was just like, didn't answer or didn't look or didn't respond. That was a huge predictor versus if she went over and said, oh, let me see. Where is it? Oh, my gosh, that's so pretty. That difference Mm -hmm. between responding and connecting was the difference that made them be able to tell who was going to break up and who is going to stay together. So just those little things, like if your husband just says, oh, I cut my finger on the, um, you know, I sliced my finger when I was cutting vegetables this morning and you just like ignore it or you're like, oh, but if you come over and say, oh, let me see like what <laughs> happened. That's like a big difference, you know. Um, Tough and right wow. <laughs> <laughs> But he's saying it for a reason.
0: Right. He's doing
2: it right. for connection.
0: Right. It's about right. connecting
2: those little things. And you doing that too. Like if you say, oh, I, you know, oh, the baby like whatever this morning, like she, and he's just like doesn't respond or it it makes a big difference. Everything you're saying in the presence of your partner, you're saying for a reason, you're trying to connect, you're trying to have like a little bond. So the big things, the date nights, but also just paying attention to those tiny little moments that happen throughout the day.
0: I think that's excellent insight into like how to, Because it's not like just like these, you know, you go on a vacation once a year, right? It's like all the tiny things that you do day to day that adds up at the end. um, That probably outweighs one vacation. Totally.
3: Something that we discuss a lot about is like how you parent your kids and all these different methods of parenting Mm -hmm. your kids. And sometimes you're not on the same page about it because, like, again, you feel like the default parent and you're like constantly researching and like, filling up your mind with just like how to be a better parent and so how this is kind of like a two-part question because how do you get your partner on board with the parenting style that you want and also how do you not resent them for being the one that you you might feel like you're the only one that cares because you're the only one that is doing all this like reading and totally
2: um yeah i think One part, and I always say this, and I think people don't like this answer, but you have to kind of put yourself in the other person's perspective and put yourself in in his shoes where he might not be reading all this stuff. Or again, I'm gender stereotyping, but like he might not be reading all this stuff, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't get An opinion. So sometimes you come at it with like, "I'm the expert. I've been doing all the reading, and here's the answer." And you have to just do what I say. (laughs) Um, So I think if you can approach it as like, you know, even as part of your check-in at the end of the day, or it's you know at some point you could be like, "I read this article. It said this. Like, what do you think?" Right? And like opening it up to see like he might be like, Oh, I really like that. Or he might you you give him space to say, you know what, I think that's like a little overbearing, or I think that's a little too much or like, honestly, I think that's gonna make us crazy if we try to fall whatever it is like, you're giving him an opportunity to voice an opinion, instead of just like shoving something down his throat about um, what you think is the right thing to do. So I think opening it up as a conversation is probably helpful. <laughs>
0: But what if their opinion's not based in any, anything right. they've read <laughs> or researched? So
2: the truth is, a lot of times people just be like, well, this is how my mom did it and I turned out fine. Exactly. Um, so I think there's that part of it too where, and that might be depending on how <laughs> introspective your partner is, that might be like a couples therapy thing, right? If it's really sort of like he's kind of set on redoing things or you might be or some, you know, either person might be like, I want to do this because this is how my parents did it. And it felt feels comfortable to me. That might be something that you can open up in a therapy conversation if you're hitting a wall, you know, what I'm saying like, if you're hitting this wall where you're trying to do something, and he's resisting, maybe he's resisting because he wants to feel more like nostalgic about his childhood, or there's something that feels like it's so different from the way he was brought up that it feels like, he's rejecting his roots or, and that might be something you could say, well, how can we incorporate aspects from your childhood, things that your parents did that did make you feel good. So kind of doing it in a way that's sort of like allowing him to have some input, but maybe it's not, if you're kind of like, here's the 10 rules that we're going to follow and like, just do it versus saying like, what do you like about this? okay, what do you not like about this and how? what are things that are important to you from your childhood that you would like to inject into our child rearing and let him like pick and choose instead of feeling like there's this whole new set of rules that you have to jump two feet into, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It might, it's probably just like very overwhelming too. And it's overwhelming for like the reader of the research because you're just like all of a sudden like, what's oh, all this stuff I have to start doing, all this yeah. stuff I'm not doing. I need to like become this other person when in reality it's not so it's not like that and it's just tiny again tiny little changes practice whatever
2: (laughs) just to comment quickly on like the information overload for moms so like I think that that's huge and I think it's something really to be wary of the same way like you know when you're dating or in different stages of your life like social media can be pretty toxic For a lot of that, I think it can be the same thing for moms where you're seeing moms that are like posting all their perfect like gentle parenting and how amazingly everything's working out and it could make you feel like I need to be doing all of this or just like reading so much about what you're supposed to be doing that it ends up making you feel like imperfect all the time. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, and that might be part of what the guys are trying to say too, like relax like it's gonna be okay we don't need to have like a prescription for every single thing that we do with our kids all the time (laughs) you know so they might just want you they might be rejecting it because they're kind of like we all just need to chill and like trust our instincts a little bit too whereas if they're like yes let's sign on for this then it's like almost like now they're under like this watchful eye of this you know guideline that doesn't feel natural to them you know That's a
3: great perspective because like you're saying, it's like, okay, like you're not – you don't, you're not in this cult where, like, oh, all of a sudden, if you do something wrong, it's like the worst thing in the world. And it might feel that
2: way if we're like putting that pressure in our yeah. um, spouses. And I think the guys don't want that for you either. You know, they don't want you to have to right. feel this pressure to like follow all this stuff all the time and be perfect. Like, I'm sure they want you to just be able to enjoy motherhood without feeling like you need to be the perfect parent all the time.
0: Right. Well, I think, yeah, it like stems from a fear. Like you fear you're not going to like raise this like perfect shot. Ch- mm-hmm. Like you fear you're going to make a mistake. And so you're like trying to cover all your bases. But in that like scramble, you might make like a big, like a big, bigger mistake or ignore some other signs or do things a little bit too like intensely that it, it might, you know, backfire. Totally. That's um, a great
2: point. I think sometimes just stopping out. yourself and being like, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid my kid's gonna be a psychopath. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid my kid's gonna be like a mean person. Like, what am I really afraid of? And then if you stop, you're like, that's not how, ha- like, I'm fine. He's fine. She's fine. We're fine. Yeah.
0: We're all gonna develop some issues. They're all yes. gonna blame us anyway. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> we're at, all, we're at fault those are all inevitable. <laughs> totally.
2: If you do the gentle parenting, like, you should have given me a smack on the ass sometimes. Like, I needed it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: It's Um, funny
0: Well thank you so much Dr. Naomi For joining us And sharing all of this Information and insight And experience To all the Betches moms And everyone Please go listen to Oversharing Where Jordana Co-founder of Betches My friend And Dr. Naomi My sister um, Talk all about Relationships and everything You make like the Some heavy stuff Kind of like very light And like just so much more like endearing to listen to and I really I really like that show so you're doing it's Aww, great thank
2: you so, so much good. and I love what you guys are doing here like helping out all the moms I'm here anytime you guys need me call me back I'll answer any questions that you have this was really <laughs> fun
3: this was so fun thank,
2: thank you. you so
3: much
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Betcha's Moms Podcast. Guys, don't forget to rate, review, follow us on Apple and Spotify. Follow Betcha's Moms on Instagram. We're at Betcha's Moms. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking.